Doctor, I like to think he's an actual doctor, but also I like to think that that's just his pen name. Doctor, oh, Doctor John Smith. Yeah, it's like when, as a kid, I would sign my work, Doctor Caroline Kidwell. Why? I I only did it like a couple times. I only did it a couple was said times. About it? Yeah, I didn't say anything. About it. it was no, like, but did anyone say anything to you? I did it like once. Okay, I one time, one singular time in. What was it? First grade. I remember the teacher. So it was first grade. Wrote Annie on my paper instead of Anna. Just to try it out. I'm in first grade. You did? Yeah. And only at school was I called Anna. Like, at home, I am always Anne or Annie or a nickname. So I was like, let me try out Annie on my homework and see if anybody at school might call me Annie. One time, and the teacher stands in front of the class and goes, Anna, you spelled your name wrong. First of all, no, I didn't. Oh, my God. Second, if I had, don't announce it to everyone. I'm in first grade. (gasps) So how fucking dare you write doctor? (laughs) (laughs) I just figured, who's going to check? Not be publicly humiliated. Haunted to this day. (laughs) Miss Kruger. Oh my god, her name's Kruger. That's a horror movie Uh, person. Demon. (laughs) Is your research, is it in our third segment, This Week in History? Yeah, I think you should go first. Okay, yeah. Um, Yeah. Because my research is just, is based on last episode. Yes. So... First, I want to get out of the way that I believe in the last episode, when we were talking about Christian Bale disappearing into a role, I said, oh, I think he got really skinny for a Holocaust movie. Is it called The Pianist? Oh, no, it's called The Machinist. And then we determined that The Machinist is not a Holocaust movie. Well, it turns out I was thinking of the movie The Pianist, which is a Holocaust movie starring Adrian Brody from 2002. And he did get really skinny. And he got really skinny. So I just conflated those two films. He dropped 31 pounds for that role by subsisting on two boiled eggs and green tea for breakfast, a little chicken for lunch, <laughs> a little chicken, a little chicken, and a small piece of fish or chicken with steamed vegetables for dinner. So that's how well, you do it. Christian Bale had an apple an a apple. day, so he's clearly a better actor. My guy kept the doctor away. That's all we know. Um, well, I've got more. Oh, you Christian do Christian Bale. Oh, right, right, right. Speaking of him disappearing into roles, last episode, I vaguely recalled some scene from Vice that made me really angry because it was revealing things and insinuating things about the Iraq war. Well, I figured out what the hell I was talking about. I watched that scene in Vice today and I read some articles. I spent hours reading the Wikipedia pages of Osama bin Laden and (laughs) Abu Musab al-Zarqawi. And uh, I also got some of this information from the IMD what <laughs> IMDb synopsis for Vice, and then there's also this article uh, from WPR, which I think is the Wisconsin NPR affiliate, called "Documentary Focuses on How Colin Powell's Speech May Have Helped Islamic State Group Rise." That's by Scotty Lee Myers, <laughs> and it's about this documentary called "The Secret History of ISIS" on PBS, written and produced by Michael Kirk. So, all these things I read explain to me what I saw in that movie, which is this. The the Bush administration wanted to use a militant Islamist named Abu Musab al-Zarqawi as a link between Iraqi dictator Saddam Hussein and bin Laden to ultimately sell the American people on invading Iraq. So even though al-Qaeda in Afghanistan has taken responsibility for the terror attacks on New York, in the movie they show Rumsfeld and Cheney and Karl Rove seizing this opportunity to bring up Saddam in Iraq, They bring in an intelligence document, and here's how the movie describes it in the Jesse Plemons narration. 
That classified document described a terrorist named Abu Musab al-Zarqawi who had started as a drug dealer and pimp before becoming fully radicalized in a Jordanian prison. Zarqawi went to meet bin Laden in Afghanistan, but Zarqawi had vowed to kill all Shia Muslims, and bin Laden's mother was Shia, so the meeting didn't go over well. Oh. Michael Kirk from that documentary. Wait, are you? I'm sorry, go back. Are you talking about what actually happened, or are you talking about um, that was what a, happened in the movie? That was how they described it in the movie, but that is what actually happened. Oh, okay. So Michael so Kirk from that documentary also claims that bin Laden dismissed him for being too thuggish. Apparently he was covered in tattoos or something. So they had no operational contact. Hmm. Zarqawi is not associated with bin Laden and al-Qaeda in 2001. After 9-11, the U.S. invades Afghanistan and Zarqawi moves from Afghanistan to Iraq to a rudimentary chemical weapons camp. And that is the only shred of an excuse they could use to connect him with the Iraqi president. As if just living in a country means you know the president or... He must be involved with harboring you. Well, Donald Trump does email me <laughs> He emails directly. you personally, and he signs off on your activities. <laughs> so here we are in 2003. You see Dick Cheney in the movie pushing the narrative that Saddam has weapons of mass destruction. He makes it a clear goal to take down Saddam, he says in the movie. The American people still don't see a connection between Al-Qaeda and Iraq, which is why they started this whole smoking gun mushroom cloud thing. And I clipped this part of the movie. It's on Hulu. Be uncertainty about when he will acquire nuclear weapons, but we don't want to be smoking gun to be a mushroom there cloud. There is a smoking gun or a mushroom cloud. Should we have waited too long? There is no doubt that Saddam Hussein now has weapons of mass destruction. So. To really solidify that we're supposed to be scared of Iraq and their president, the cabinet asks the Secretary of State, Colin Powell, who has the highest trustworthiness ratings, apparently, to give a speech pushing this narrative of al-Qaeda being connected to Iraq. Colin Powell resists giving this sketchy speech. It's described in the movie as having at least five pieces of disproved intel. So they're using that bullshit classified document. Powell argues with everyone about invading a sovereign nation with little to no evidence or warrant, but he finally agrees to give the speech. That article from WPR says Colin Powell fortified the tenuous, essentially fabricated link between the three men in his speech to the United Nations in 2003. Powell mentions Zarqawi's name 21 times and speaks about the terrorist for seven minutes to the UN on television. In each reference, Kirk said, Powell connected the dots between bin Laden and Hussein, even though no real link existed. A lot of people say that speech turned the tide and gave the Bush administration the real justification, in public relations terms at least, to go forward and invade Iraq. By the time the U.S. invaded Iraq, 70% of Americans believe that Saddam Hussein was involved in 9-11. Because of that bullshit speech that Colin Powell made to the UN. To be clear, Zarqawi was not associating with Al-Qaeda in 2003 when he lived in Iraq. And Colin Powell name-checked him 21 times. And really, they make Zarqawi heroic. In the terror world, he becomes a rock star. That's a quote. Zarqawi, who has gained... A rock star? A rock star, yeah. (laughs) In the terror world. So Zarqawi, who has gained power because of the US making him a major celebrity, goes on to start ISIS. So it's Dick Cheney and George W. Bush's fault that this man started ISIS. You can't change my mind. What I So what I was remembering from the last episode was all the guys watching the speech on a laptop, and then they all turn back and look at Zarqawi as if to say, why do they keep saying your name on the UN? So to conclude, the film Vice made me so fired up because it shows how they invaded Iraq just because they felt like it. And also enabled an unknown terrorist to become someone important and found the group that would go on to be known as ISIS or the Islamic State Group. And by the way, Colin Powell has since apologized for that speech to the UN, calling it the most painful moment of his life because he knew it was so morally fucked up. They didn't find any WMDs. 4,550 soldiers were killed in the Iraq War. Suicide among service members has increased 31% since 2001. And more than 600,000 Iraqi civilians died as a result of the war. I wouldn't necessarily recommend this movie. The best part is actually the last six minutes when you can read all the shit that happens later. And then they do this meta thing where people discuss whether the film itself is politically biased. Like at the end of Vice, they show people being like, this is bullshit. This Wait, movie like, sucks. Like people that had just come out of the theater? No, like they hired people. Adam McKay hired actors to be a fake focus group. Oh and my god. Like, <laughs> liberal what? trash or whatever. <laughs> Wait, I actually want to watch the movie. 
That's so funny. But yeah, it's insane. It's an insane movie. I love Adam McKay, but I didn't love this movie. And um, now I hate George W. Bush and Dick Cheney more than a 10-year-old ever could have (laughs) at this time. Well, that actually kind of segues into my pop culture and history because this episode, The Moth, premiered on November 3rd, 2004. So this was the election week. Mm -hmm. It was a real bummer week. Um, As we know, George W. Bush got reelected. And then Monday, November 1st, two tragedies. American singer, songwriter, producer, radio personality, and former manager of the band Grand Funk Railroad. Do you know that band? I don't recognize it. I think they might be from Detroit. I'm going to fact check that real quick. In that case, of course, one of my favorites. (laughs) I am. My dad is a member. (laughs) Oh, no, they're from Flint, Michigan. That counts. Yeah, Flint, Michigan. But um, Terry Knight was the former manager. Um, they they had kind of like a oh how shall I say a really bitter breakup. Okay. <laughs> they fired him like three months before his contract was up, mm-hmm. and so he sued them. Okay. And then got a shit ton of money, and so after that he he tried to start his own record label, but it, it none of his clients gained any commercial success. So he gave up on showbiz the couple years after. Um, he dated Twiggy. Oh, uh, yeah. And and then he raced cars with um Paul Newman. <laughs> but like after that, he kind of settled down and and lived with his daughter in who somewhere in Arizona. I had it and then I deleted it. But yeah, okay. So anyway, on Monday, November first of two thousand four. Terry Knight. Did I say his name? Yeah. Okay. Terry Knight. He is murdered at the age of 61. He was breaking up an argument between his daughter and her boyfriend. And Wikipedia said it was an argument, but I read the testimony from Danielle, that's the daughter's name, at the trial, and it was not an argument. It was He was, like, beating her. He was kicking her. He was dragging okay. her. She was trying to get away. So Terry Knight, who is now, as I said, 61, he was diabetic. I believe he had a broken ankle uh, at the time. He rushes in and tries to intercede, but the boyfriend, Donald Allen Fair, absolute piece of shit, stabs Knight 17 times. Oh! He's dead before the paramedics arrive. In court, he claims that he was high on meth at the time, which might be true, but it also could have been a lie to mitigate his sentence. Nevertheless, he was sentenced to life in prison, and this was in Texas, so he'll be eligible for parole in 30 years. So, uh, 30 years after the sentencing, so in... 34? Yeah, or 35, because it was a year after. But, um, I read the testimony from Danielle. It is absolutely heartbreaking. Um, So if you're into that shit, Google it. At the time of the trial, Danielle was 17 and Fair was 27. So Fair moved into the apartment that Terry Knight and uh, Danielle shared when Danielle was 15. I I really hope she's doing okay. Um, Also, side note about Terry Knight. He wrote the song St. Paul which is one of the songs that contributed to the whole Paul is Dead rumor in 1969. He met Paul McCartney in London in 1968, and I don't know how he was, like, let into the recording studio, but they... (laughs) Paul was like... Yeah, I want this guy on board. So I guess he got hired as like a producer like a, or maybe a session musician. I fuck it. I have Did no the idea. Have those? I don't know because it was all very vague. But he was present. It says he was present for a lot of the recording <laughs> of the White and Album. He said present. Yeah. Um. He said that he he watched them fight. Uh. He was even present when Ringo left the band temporarily. But then he left London because he couldn't work out a deal with them that he was satisfied with. So the next year in 1969, he releases St. Paul. And it doesn't say anything about Paul's death in the lyrics, but it does 
allude to him and Paul McCartney's failed professional relationship and uh, also Knight's belief that the Beatles would break up soon. When did the Beatles break up? I don't remember. 1970. So two years after, he was right. So radio stations started adopting this song as a tribute to the late Paul McCartney. It was all just like a matter of timing, I think, because it was like right around the time that all of those conspiracies came out about Paul McCartney actually being dead. And the song features little snippets of Hello, Goodbye, Hey Jude, Lucy in the Sky, She Loves You, kind of in like a mocking way. So the original version of the song is like six minutes long. Uh, They got a cease and desist from (laughs) the Beatles. And so they had to release a four minute version, I think, that doesn't have all of that. Um, If you listen to it, it's kind of like listening to Fall Out Boy's What a Catch, Donnie. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, they go through a bunch of Fall Out Boy songs (laughs) and try to make it fit into, I don't know. That's really weird. It's no, it's good. I will. I don't know if that band is good anymore. I'll fight <laughs> and I will kill for Fall Out Boy. God. I'll do it. Um, okay, but also on that same day, tragedy number two, the rapper Mac Dre is gunned down after a show in Kansas City, Missouri. So this was a huge deal. This started the whole Bay Area and Kansas City beef. Not aware of it. Well. There were rumors flying around that the Kansas City rapper Fat Tone did it, okay. um, that he shot him down. And this, this was based on a rumor that Fat Tone had written a song with lyrics that said, uh, I, I killed the thizzle man in the thizzle van. Um, this was in reference to Fizz Entertainment, which is the record label that Dre started. Um, but that song never existed. <laughs> that song, it w- so people were pointing their fingers at him and- then Mac Minister and Jace Corleone murder Fat Tone in yeah. retaliation, but Fat Tone never did it, and yeah. so they they're serving four life sentences, both of them. Um, but like now, it's totally understood that Fat Tone had nothing to do with it, and it's not confirmed who killed Mac Dre, but the rumors are that whoever did it is now dead, and that it was not Fat Tone. Yeah, so rough week. Um, let's take a break. Okay. Okay, are you ready for the top song? Oh, yeah. Wait, I have a guess. Yeah? I think at this time in history, Run It by Chris Brown was a hit. <gasps> run It? Wait, Maybe what is it? Th- can run it, run it. Then it's like, na 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 Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, okay. Okay, okay, Anna, Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I pull up a karaoke track. It goes a little like pulls out a pitch pipe. <laughs> me, me, me. Okay, are you ready for it? Oh yeah. Is it my boo? <laughs> yeah. I was like, it's Alicia Keys. <laughs> I don't know the song "My Boo," so I really thought it was a new song. Oh yeah, because I guess you didn't, you couldn't guess it until they said "My Boo." Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know of the song. Uh, that's it. That's all my things. Good work, Usher. Alrighty then. Locke convinces Charlie to go on a walk with him. <laughs> oh, beautiful opening. We move to Kate on the beach. She catches Jack looking at her mugshot. Oy, oy, oy. Jack says he's not mad at Kate. And Kate says she's not ready to set up house on the island. I couldn't even understand Sawyer without subtitles in this episode. I didn't really? have subtitles on. And I was like, I rewound multiple <laughs> of Sawyer's lines to be like, say again. Oh, wow. Charlie's in the jungle, supposedly on his walk with Locke. He How hears- did they lose each other? Well, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> but but wait, they were walking together. Locke asks him to go for a walk with him. Maybe he's so addled by heroin withdrawal he can't even notice whether he's walking <sighs> with someone. He hears a monster running after him. It truly looked like Locke had turned into a monster because Charlie was like looking toward it and being like, Locke, Locke. (laughs) I thought he turned into a beast. Flashback to Charlie in confession. He admits he's been doinking multiple women in one night because his band is just so cool. He's bragging to the priest. He drops the name in confession. He plugs his band. (laughs) 
That was so perfect. I loved that so much. I wish the priest would have been like, you all. <laughs> he tells the priest he's going to have to quit drive shaft because of the temptations. So at this point, he's only talking about temptations of the flesh, really. When he comes out of confession, someone named Liam is in a pew wearing a shirt that says music slut. Wait, what? I didn't even notice that. He had it on in multiple scenes, and would I buy it? Yes. I want that. A black shirt in all caps that says music slut. Oh my god. I think the S from music is also the S from slaughter. It was really weird. Okay. We find out Drive Shaft has been signed to a recording contract. In this scene, Liam is trying to convince Charlie to stay in the band. Baby brother. He hasn't seen that yet. Oh, he doesn't? Spoilers. Oh, shit. Cut that out. We cut back to the present. The monster sounds chasing Charlie are revealed to be from yet another boar. It made a disgusting sound when it got trapped in Locke's net. It did? Yeah, when it was just scrambling around. I just, I hate that shit. Yucky. Locke literally tells Charlie that he made him be boar bait. Yeah, okay, okay, so I wrote. So he just disappeared somehow. I started writing, did he use Charlie as B-A, and then he was like, you make good bait, and I crossed it out. So, like, Locke purposely slipped away and left him. What a psycho. That's fucked up. Charlie demands his bloody drugs back. Locke says that the third time Charlie asks for his drugs, Locke will give them back. Okay, he's up on this biblical high horse. Don't Locke get me is. started. Why is he so upset? Like, that really does sound like something out of the Bible. Like, on the third time. Yeah. And then he said the thing about Adam and Eve. He's very... His references and his notions of the way things work, they're very writerly. He's all about metaphors. Yeah. But miracles he was talking about, you're right uh, yeah, about yeah, that yeah. Bible stuff. Um... <laughs> That was instance one. The third time he'll give them back. Locke explains that making decisions based on more than instinct is what separates Charlie from this animal. We move to sight. And then he stabs it. He murders it oh, in didn't front of that. Charlie. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, he kills it. He was like, that's what separates you from him. And then fucking shanks him. I would run away if I was Charlie. We move to Saeed, who is working on triangulating a signal. There are lots of problems and complications. Did you notice that Kate, Saeed, and Boone are all matching? Or are they wearing white tanks? They're all wearing white tanks. What are they not? I think, and also the the background extras are all wearing white, too. Um, wasn't, wasn't Sun's And Sun was white? wearing all white. <laughs> Did they? Why? What's I have no idea. I was, I couldn't think of a reason why. He explains that they can't turn the transceiver on until three people are in position. So they're trying to figure out where the transmission's coming from. He determines they can use rockets bottle rockets that they found to determine each party is in position for triangulation so he can switch on the transmission and check out that sweet signal boost before the battery Mm -hmm. dies they need a laptop kate asks sawyer if she can borrow one in this scene he calls jack jacko and i (laughs) remember people using this nickname for michael jackson who was alive at this time so i don't know if it was a michael jackson like what about you and jacko (laughs) i don't remember people using that for michael jackson what he called him Jake tells Sawyer she pities him, and he hands over something she needs, but what the hell was that? It wasn't a laptop. I, I was hoping that you would know, because I didn't. I Maybe the Wikipedia says what it was. I don't know. We're back at the spring colony. Charlie brags about being a roadie for his own band. Okay. He <laughs> mentions cool. it so many times in this episode, and it kind of breaks my heart a little bit, because he, like, I mean, I don't know. We'll get more into, like, his relationship with Drive Shaft, but, like, yeah. him making that so much of his identity. But why would he brag about carrying the equipment? That's not a cool well, thing. Well, I think it was just him reminding them that he was in a, a band. Or trying to give an example of how he's not useless. Oh, maybe. He happens to see all the pill bottles Jack is in possession of. Jack's like, that's diazepam. It's for anxiety, not the headache that you said you have. He notices here that Charlie isn't doing too hot. He tells him to go relax, that he doesn't need to help. So once again, Charlie's insecure about being useless. He pouts and plays his guitar. Flashback, Charlie is still trying to quit the band. Liam tells him, you are bloody drive shaft. Here's where we find out that Liam is his brother, as well as the lead singer of the band. Back on the island, Jin's wrist is still fucked up from the handcuff. Sun defies one of his orders for the first time. Yeah, that was cool. She doesn't give a shit when he thinks about her tank top. Charlie brags about having written the song You All Everybody, my favorite song. 
Hurley does not care. <laughs> Harsh. We see inside one of the caves, Charlie is yelling at Jack about how he's a rock god. I realize that when he says he's a rock god, a there's rock a rock called? slide. God damn it. <laughs> I realized that when I was writing out the recap. Suddenly there's a rock slide or a collapse. Jack is inside and he's not responding to anyone on the outside. I have a clip. God, it's okay about her freaking boyfriend. Why do you have to? What's she gonna do? That's different. It's literally just make sure of you Jack. tell Kate. It's just to tell the audience that they're a fucking item and everybody knows it. Exactly. Cut to Kate and Saeed walking. Did you notice that Kate always has both backpack straps and the clip around the front? Every oh, time really? she wears a backpack, she clips it around the front. Nerd. And I had been excusing this before, thinking, oh, they're hiking around. But Saeed in this scene only has the backpack slung over one shoulder like a cool guy. Oh, he's so cool. I mean, Kate, come on. Shannon's wearing her shades on the beach as well as dangly earrings. Mm-hmm. you got to notice it. Okay, here's clip number two. Come on, grab a couple guys and uh, let's go. We gotta go now. Go, 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 go. Whoa. Hey, come on. Let's go. Shannon, you have to be ready to do something really important, okay? Five o'clock sharp. You need to be ready to turn that antenna on over there. There's a switch at the base. Why? Oh, baby. I clipped the Scott and Steve, too. Who are they? I hope they never explain it. I hope it's never. I hope we never hear from those characters ever again. That's the part that made me just lose my shit. Boone, so Boone's leaving Shannon in charge of their rocket signal duty. And she's like, fine. Yeah, okay, he didn't do a good job of explaining it to her either. He's trying to run to the cave to save Jack. He has like five seconds. I know he does, but like... This is important. Like, not to say that rescuing Jack is not important, but, like, making sure that that flare goes off is, I would say, more important than what he can do as one person at the cave to rescue Jack. And, like, he knows who she is. He knows that she's not reliable and then doesn't do a good job of making sure that his message was communicated I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we really had to count on her and Sawyer in this episode. But you are right that he didn't have anything to contribute at the cave, so he could have taken all the time in the world to tell her about the signal triangulation. Yeah, or he could have stayed and just done it. Yeah. Next we see Sawyer shirtless. What was the purpose of that other than to just show off how hot he is? (laughs) Again, Charlie is brushed off and not allowed to help. Flashback to... The moment of my life, drive shaft performing, you all, everybody, I am wet is what I wrote. Oh my God. <laughs> Liam sings the chorus and Charlie frowns at him. Okay, what would you do if you were at that concert <laughs> and <laughs> two people standing next to each other singing into their microphones and then one of them just turns and walks to the other one and stares them down? <laughs> What the hell was that? He says when they get off stage. Liam says it won't happen again, but he's chewing in this scene. And that's TV code for this is a douchebag. We then see Liam score heroin. Charlie looks shocked and dismayed. Liam calls him baby brother. So we have that info now. Back at the cave collapse. Michael takes charge because he worked in construction for eight years. Back in the jungle... Sawyer catches up to Saeed and Kate. Kate is so hostile to him, which he comments okay, on. I wrote that too. I said, what has he done lately? <laughs> yeah. Like, other than just him being generally very selfish, I, I, I think that the only reason that she would have been so hostile toward him is so that Sawyer can make the decision to not tell her about Jack. It doesn't make sense for Kate as a character to be that openly hostile, but they needed her to do it because they needed it to make sense for him to change Change his mind about telling her. That's, That's where you've lost me. Yeah, I can see that. He says that he came to tell her she was right and he doesn't help anyone but himself, but it's clear that he actually came to tell them about Jack and Mm -hmm. changed his mind. We see Locke skinning the boar he caught and it is gross. 
I hate watching people skin animals on TV. <laughs> when Locke finds out the cave is caved in, he asks Charlie why he's not helping. So Locke doesn't think Charlie is useless. No. Charlie is here to ask for his stash a second time. Locke shows him a moth cocoon. I swear to God, Locke is here to represent the island. He's playing Father Nature again. Mm -hmm. He makes a whole moth Charlie metaphor. Back to the gang struggling to free Jack. We haven't seen or heard anything from Jack yet. And then finally we hear, I'm pinned, I can't move. He asks after Charlie because he's a good boy. He makes a point to say, oh, Charlie was here in the rocks. Yes, yes, yes. Is Charlie dead? Is Charlie out there? In the jungle again, Sawyer gets the job of climbing the tree. Saeed and Kate agree that they don't trust him, but Saeed means that he doesn't trust to leave him alone with Kate. Did he actually think that Sawyer was going to rape Kate in that episode? I truly don't know. He had I don't her know what he was implying. Saeed threw them off her. Hurley refers to Sun and Jin as Chinese, and someone finally corrects him. Yeah, it's Michael. Guess what? It's Michael. <laughs> Michael is the official Korean oh, ally. Also, did you hear, did you see, this is a big episode for Michael. Did you see Walt's face when he was, like, starting, when Michael was starting to direct people? No. Michael was starting to, like, take a leadership role and, like, tell people what to do as far as, like, getting Jack out of the cave and Walt is looking on. And, like, it's the first moment where we see him kind of, like, look up to his dad. Yeah. And that was very sweet for me. Yeah, this is a big up for Michael. Michael's always so far been the Korean liaison. <laughs> Charlie is back at the caves and he convinces the group to let him do this one goddamn thing. He wants to go retrieve Jack. Once again, I have the question, when did this happen? You know how Kate and Jack were suddenly high school flirting and everyone knew it was a thing? When did Charlie become the dedicated useless one? We all I think just... at the beginning of this episode. Because he <laughs> has not been. I mean, historically. Yeah. And historically like, before that episode, he went Kate on the and first Jack hike. haven't been disgusting together. It's like this show is really just like throwing concepts at us. Everyone has now, since last time, agreed that Charlie's useless and they will never ask him to help with anything. Yeah. Like, starting now, just so he can be insecure about it and have flashbacks. Here's a clip. Good luck. Be safe, man. Good luck, Charlie. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> he sounds like Batman. He's like, all right, thanks, guys. <laughs> Sawyer asks Kate why she's weak in the loins for Jack. That made That's me not an expression. Whirly. <laughs> this is when Kate finds out from him that Jack is buried in a cave-in. Does Sawyer think he's dead or does he want Kate to think he's dead? I don't know. And I also, I don't know why the, okay, what am I trying to say? <laughs> the way that that scene played out leads me to believe that Sawyer used that information to hurt her. Because I didn't remember that he did that. Um, I, I am, I'm hazy on what his motives are, I guess. Yeah, I think it makes sense in this scene for him to whip that out to hurt her. Because yeah. she said a lot of things to him. She's compared him to Jack. She said that, like, you know what your problem is? There's nobody that cares about you that's, like, looking for you or whatever. Yeah, what? That's so harsh. <laughs> she dug deep for that. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's important to note that previously, Kate made it clear that she doesn't want to dig into the island. She's preoccupied with the uh, transceiver signal, with the smoke signals, and getting them rescued. But today, she will abandon the big signal project to go see if Jack is dead. She leaves that up to Sawyer. Yeah. Because I, I just Jack might be dead. Yeah. I don't know what she thinks she's going to do, because honestly, she didn't really do anything. Well, she was the only one that tried. True. That's Charlie. not true. Okay. I, mm, we'll get there. Well, she was the only one that was trying to dig. I don't think that that was a good idea. After she got there, she got there after all of them had made, like, a joint effort. Like, one of the first times that we see everyone working as a team to mm. try to dig him out. She comes up after that and she's like, why is no one digging? Yeah, she yelled Bitch, at we them. already did. <laughs> we see Charlie crawling through a rock and it transitions to Charlie crawling through a throng of people in much the same way. That was cool. He enters mm. the green room. Liam is there with a few birds. He's like, grab a bird or whatever. Liam has missed soundcheck and rehearsal, or maybe soundcheck was the rehearsal. Charlie seems to be wearing a scarf in every flashback. Okay, <laughs> yes. 
Cute. Charlie yells at Liam for doing drugs. Liam says no one cares about the bass player. He says, I am driveshaft. But previously, we he said that Charlie is bloody driveshaft. Okay, the thing, nobody cares about the drink the, <laughs> the <drink> player? <laughs> nobody cares about the bass player. Remember when we were wondering why he had to list his credits? Yeah. He, that, that was very smart this to me. This is a payoff, Yeah, that's really cool that he, up until now, has been like, I played bass and I played guitar on a couple tracks and I back up vocals on a back up vocal track. It's, I, I sing the chorus I of you all. Every- <laughs> and I sing the chorus. <laughs> <laughs> but then he also says that thing to Hurley about his guitar. He's like, I wrote songs on, or he was like, you must be surprised that I have this because I play bass. <laughs> As though Hurley would be like, wait, what? I thought you were the bass player. I didn't notice that. Oh, Charlie is so tragic. He I just know. like. He's so much more famous in his own head than. So here's, I think, the big moment where what this is all boiling down to. What the bloody hell you saw you? He's useless. His brother asks him what his use is. Oh my god. And this has stayed with him until the present day on the island. He's insecure about being useless. Okay, maybe, maybe it's not that everybody has decided that Charlie is useless. Maybe it's just that because we're seeing this episode from Charlie's perspective, while he is experiencing withdrawal and is especially emotionally raw... Maybe that's, maybe that's, like, how he perceives things. And that's why we're, like, why are people being so mean all of a sudden? I would prefer to, I would prefer for our POV to be an objective perspective. I don't want to have to negotiate, <laughs> like, oh, I'm seeing this through heroin withdrawal. It's not about what you want, Anna. It's what Jack Bender wants. It's what you get. Yeah, it's Jack. Oh, I forgot to mention that Jack Bender is the episode. There is the episode. <laughs> this episode is titled Jack Bender. You are Drive Shaft. And Jack Bender is, is Drive Shaft. <laughs> so when Liam leaves, is Charlie going to do heroin for the first time so his brother will think he's cool? Or is he crying at the heroin because it's tearing his life apart? I didn't understand when he started using. I don't know. I I just assumed that that was when he started using. That did not line up for me. Uh-huh. I don't think that made sense for a first time using. He's like, he's mad at him for not being committed. He's mad at him for doing drugs and not committing to the band. So in re- retaliation, he's going to be like, then I'm doing it too. But then he's, well, he's weeping the, about he's it. He's the little brother and he wants the approval of the big brother. So he hasn't super seemed like he wants the brother's approval up to this point. I think yeah. that makes sense. I think that's what we're supposed to think. But I don't think... The actors portrayed that. No, that's true. It was just a weird moment for me where I wasn't sure what I was supposed to be thinking while he was looking at the mirror and crying. Mm. Caves in the present day. The rocks are slipping down onto Charlie. He's choking on dust. He says, I'm here to rescue you, which was very cute. (laughs) We see Kate rush up to the cave people. She's yelling at them. They don't know whether either man is alive at this point. Inside the cave, Jack tells Charlie to pop his dislocated shoulder back in. It's gross. I hate that. I hate that. Yeah, this movie had two <laughs> things. This movie, <laughs> this episode of Lost, had two things that I viscerally hate. Yeah. Which is skinning an animal and popping something back into place. <laughs> it was rough. Flashback to cool Charlie wearing shades. (laughs) He has appeared at Liam's house in Sydney. Liam is all cleaned up. He's wearing a sweater and glasses Glasses. of all things. And he shaved off his mutton chops. I think that means time has passed. Like, now he wears glasses. He's different now. (laughs) He's different now. He's got a little girl. Charlie is there. Charlie's here to convince him to fly to LA and get the band back together. Liam can't believe Charlie is still a junkie. Charlie blows up and says that it was about the music for him. And I love that. Liam's it's about fault. the music. I live. I long and I live to scream that at someone someday. And it's Liam's fault that he even tried drugs. He's screaming all this at him. In the present day, Jack can tell Charlie is experiencing withdrawal from something. Charlie refers to himself as useless. And Jack says, useless? You're not useless. Cute. <laughs> then he says he won't forget that Charlie is the one that came in to rescue him. 
But they're running out of oxygen. (laughs) Charlie compares the claustrophobic cave to a confession booth. In this scene, Jack says he's no saint or not a saint, which is news to us. What's he talking about? Yeah. Wait and see. Charlie is amazed to see a moth in the cave. Meanwhile, outside the cave, Kate is still moving rocks (laughs) and Michael is telling her to slow down. The two men dig themselves out from underground a short distance from the cave opening. Kate is gasping and hugging Jack. He makes sure to credit Charlie for getting them out because he's a good boy. They all give him kudos in this awkward manner. I'm sure it was improvised. It was extremely weird. This like fake laughter. You did it, man. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a horror movie. (laughs) They're all patting him on the back. I don't think I've ever been pat on my back in my life for doing something good. (laughs) That was such an example of actors not knowing what to do. (laughs) How did so many people decide to laugh? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it That's- sounds like that game when you do a fake laugh until it turns into a real laugh. <laughs> oh my god. Insane. I'm crying. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> setting off his firework. On the beach, Shannon is not paying attention, but someone shows her the firework okay, in the sky. I'm team Shannon, 100% now. <laughs> Why? Skinny legend. I will kill for Shannon at this point. Um. And she's, like, really funny. She's, like, doing a really good job of being likable while being a character that is so... It has just got a such a piss poor personality. Wait, I just never mind. Cut that out. Okay. I just wanted to play earlier when she was like, "Why? Oh, you should do this important thing. Why? Why? <laughs> okay. They await the Kate Sawyer firework. Sawyer comes through. Saeed is finally receiving a great signal when he gets bashed in the head by an unknown assailant. Around a fire that night, Charlie is having it rough in the withdrawals, and Jack is covering for him. Walt is really into the caves now and asks Michael if they can Mm -hmm. live there. Michael shoots a long gaze at Sun for some reason. Yeah. Do you remember if Michael and Walt chose beach or caves? They're beach. They're team beach. So what I think that means is Walt's like, can we live here now? And then Michael is considering it because his crush son chose caves. Oh. Do you think he has a crush on her? Well, he's obsessed with the Koreans. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what he feels about I them. I think that he's obsessed with the Koreans because he doesn't know where he stands with them. Because the last episode, the husband tried to drown him <laughs> in front of everyone. Oh, so maybe it was a long gaze, like, I don't know if I can be yeah. around her and her husband. But then why wouldn't he do a long gaze at DDK? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I just wrote for some reason. Yeah. There was a long look at her. Kate ribs Jack about how the caves actually weren't safe after all. 
Jack assures us that Michael has since checked the integrity of all of them. So they're allegedly good now. <laughs> we'll fucking see. We see Locke brazing his boar with some kind of brush yeah, made of palm fronds. I was confused by that. <laughs> Love to see it. Charlie asks for the drugs a third time. Locke makes sure he really wants them. And Charlie proceeds to toss the last baggie into the fire. That shocked me. I said, we love a fake out. I was writing notes like, this doesn't even make sense because if he's in the middle of withdrawal now, then he's going to have to be in the same place again. Like I was writing all this like, this is stupid. <laughs> and then he threw it in the fire and I was like, ah. <laughs> Locke says he's proud. Charlie is crying. And then he sees him off again and he's still crying. <laughs> well, before trivia, I want to say that this I hate to say is another weak one for me. I think that... I think so. Even with the Driveshaft concert that we got to see. Yeah. I think that the episodes one through five are better than episodes six and seven. But you loved episode six. I loved episode six. So we'll see how it goes from here. Hmm. As far as trivia goes, in place of heroin, Dominic Monaghan is snorting brown sugar. Ow. God, what? (laughs) sounds awful. And then he said some annoying shit about like, Oh, then a couple of hours later, desserts coming out to your nose or something. I was like, shut the fuck up. Ew. I would like to snot rocket at someone if I did that. Don't enjoy that. Okay. (laughs) Don't say it again. (laughs) Monahan says Charlie's black hoodie is a security blanket that he hides under. Wait, I've talked about the hoodie. You're always talking about the hoodie. I've talked about the hoodie. I've been talking about the hoodie since day one. We need to DM him. (laughs) The musician singing You All Everybody at the Driveshaft concert is named Chris Seafried. But we would like to make sure to note on the podcast that in the script for the pilot, it just said the words, you all, everybody, and they didn't have a tune. So good old Don Monahan just made up that little tune. Whipped out a banger. Uh, they had some critic reviews on the Wikipedia and Miles McNutt. Oh, no. <laughs> of the AV Club says... The eponymous metaphor delivered by Locke is one of the series' most blatant, and the moth's consistent reappearance in the episode calls a lot of attention to the construction of the narrative. Yeah, no, he's right. The struggle, instead of letting the moth come out of the cocoon before it's ready, you have to let it make its own decisions, such as Charlie with the drugs. Yes, 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 yes. I guess we didn't say what the metaphor was. But also, his this name point. is McNutt, so everything Miles. he says. <laughs> R.I.P. is the only one I had is that nasty boar. Yeah. Did anything else die? I don't think so. Um, are you ready to vote someone off the island? Yeah. Three, two, one. Liam. Lock. You, we need to make our rule that you can't say Locke anymore. Wait, why Locke this time? Because he's a control freak? Yeah, he used him as boar bait. I didn't like the heroin metaphors. I don't like how he's always, like, being the island or representing nature and conversation. He's up to something. I don't know what it is. I don't is. know if it's that he he's necessarily up to something, but I do think that he uh, holds himself in a very high regard. <laughs> Ever since he learned to walk again. <laughs> he's gotten too big for his wheelchair. <laughs> Jesus. I said Liam because he's a shitty brother. He made Charlie continue with the band when he didn't want to do it by manipulating him into like thinking that he was hot shit and then he abandoned him when he needed him and then once he starts wearing glasses and a sweater like fucking arthur he's nowhere to be found mvp on free one two. <laughs> Leaving it in. <laughs> Glad to be able to free my soul. Robert Downey Jr. Um, cool. One, two, three, or three, two, one? You do Should one, do- two, three, and I'll do three, okay. two, one. <laughs> Ready? Three, one, two, two three. One. Shannon. <laughs> oh my god, how dare you. <laughs> Said did everything in this episode. I know. Did you do that just to make me mad? Yeah. <laughs> just 
because she was such an icon. Okay, on but the also beach. I do love her. <laughs> like, I want to know what extra she was talking to, and is that person gonna come back? Yeah, <laughs> the extra that just points at the bottle rocket. What's that? What? <laughs> I think all we've got left is predictions. The title of the next episode is Confidence Man, and I can't wait to see who the confident man is. Oh, you didn't. You didn't look at who it is. What is it going to say in the premise? Today's confident man is. Is it confident man or confidence it's man? Confidence man. But what does that mean? Like a con man. <laughs> ha 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 ha. Good ha, job. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Next prediction. I bet the person who hit Saeed is not someone we know. I bet yeah, you okay. there's somebody else on the island. I don't remember who it is. It was a polar bear. <laughs> oh my god. And the last thing I thought was that we're, we've got to have more develop between Michael's family and Son's family. They just keep ramping it up. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 I think that's it. Follow us on Instagram at three, two, one, two, three. Yeah, follow us on Instagram when you've lost me pod. Email us if um, we said anything that's dumb as shit or if you're fired up about george bush like i am (laughs) yeah if you um if you have any like feedback on how we could be doing better keep it to yourself (laughs) rating and reviewing but rate us if you do like us (laughs) rate us five stars or nothing i don't want to see four i don't want to see four (laughs) actually four or three is bullshit do better rate us either one or five nothing in between Ha <laughs> ha